0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Unqualifying Sessions with me, Amy. This week we are discussing the Hungarian Grand Prix, which is the last one before summer break. We saw so much throughout the weekend, including some surprises in practice. So without further ado, let's get into it. So before we get into the qualifying and the race, I just wanted to take a few minutes to discuss practice. One, McLaren looked very pacey during FP2, Lando was first, Daniel was in fourth. I think if they can use this speed, then they might be able to re-overtake Alpine for fourth in the constructors, but we'll come on to this a little bit later. Also, in FP3, we saw Latifi in first and Albon in third in the Williams. I think I can hand on heart say I don't think many people were expecting that. At least I wasn't. So, a bit of a shock there anyway let's move on to qualifying and the race because that's where things get juicy. So qualifying was quite exciting and we did see a bit of a surprise with the Red Bulls. After having a lap time deleted and then reinstated Perez was knocked out of Q2 and he started in 11th. I do think that him having this lap deleted and then reinstated did kind of throw him off a bit which is why he kind of had the issue being in in 11th. Um, but Verstappen didn't do too much better coming in 10th. Which again was a bit of a shock. Now the Ferraris had great pace. But in the end George Russell managed to put it on pole. At that moment I felt like Alex Albon in that meme where he's like George. You know the one I mean? Yeah. I was very happy for Russell for his first pole position in Formula One. Lando also managed to do a really good job putting McLaren in fourth behind Leclerc. Now, it was announced after qualifying that both Red Bulls would be changing their engines, as would Pierre Gasly at for Tauri. I did see some confusion regarding this, as Gasly had to start from the pit lane, but neither Verstappen nor Perez had a penalty. Now we kind of discussed this the week prior with Siles and Magnussen and Gasly did get a different penalty to them. So as mentioned last week, each team has essentially a permitted amount of times they can change their engine. So Red Bull hadn't used their total allocation of engines. So there's no penalty for them. But AlphaTauri had already used the allocating amount for Gasly. But then on top of that, as to why he didn't have the same penalty as Magnussen or Signs, he started from the pit lane as the change was not done with FIA approval. So little things can kind of make the penalty change from person to person. Now, Sunday was interesting, to say the least. The chance of rain meant there was a possibility of chaos. We didn't have a crazy race that we saw last time, but there definitely was a few strange choices that we will come to in a moment. First, we do need to give it up to Max Verstappen. He went from 10th to win the Grand Prix. He even did a 360 spin and still managed to get first, so a real excellent performance from him, he is really showing his race craft this year, I think he's come in really strong and everything's kind of lined up for him, the car, the strategy, his race craft, everything is lining up very nicely for Max Verstappen Um, and I'm kind of starting to veer towards that I think he will win the championship um I think he's kind of got this in the bag um Mercedes also had a really good performance um with their second double podium they will be going into summer break on a high excellent performance for Lewis he started in seventh managed to get up to second George did lose his pole but he managed to hold off the Ferraris for a while and the Red Bulls are just that bit quicker than the Mercedes so coming in third was great for George too. They will definitely be going into some break on a high and they just kind of need to keep that performance up and I could definitely see them then becoming second in the constructor Championship. Now, Ferrari... We need to talk about Ferrari. They had such good pace. But poor strategy has let them down. I mean, they are easily one of the fastest cars on the grid. And I have seen people who know a lot more about like, the more technical stuff online. If I can find them, I will link them below. That is literally showing that... Ferrari are the fastest car on the grid data-wise they are fast but this strategy and the mistakes this is what's going to cost them the, the title the thing that I can't understand I think what a lot of people can't understand is the tire choices that were made now before the race tire the tyre manufacturer Pirelli put out their possible tyre strategies. So, this happens every race weekend. They always put it out before the race at some point. Like everyone can see this, they literally put it on Twitter. It's not. It's not like some secret that only, you know, F1 teams can see. Anyone can can see it. So Ferrari essentially ignored the. <laughs> Pirelli tire strategies and is something completely different. Now, obviously, you don't have to use Pirelli's suggestions, but with Charles, who was mainly impacted by this very weird tire choice that I'm about to discuss there is some very obvious signs here. Now, they started on the mediums, the medium tire compound, so based on this strategy given by Pirelli, they could have done medium and hard, which would be a one-stop. So, or you could do medium, hard, and then end on a soft tyre. Another possibility we also saw was some people started on softs, and they did soft, medium, medium. So I guess you could have flipped it around to medium, medium, soft. Anyway, we saw with Haas with Magnussen, and later with both Alpines, they tried to do the one-stop strategy, so the medium to hard. Now, the hard tyres can take a while to get grip, and because they're harder compound, they tend to be slower than the softs or medium. However, because they are harder, they tend to have extended durability, hence one-stop strategy. Now, before Ferrari pitted Charles. Onto the hards after two sets of mediums. We had already seen other teams taking the hard tyre and it was obvious that this was probably best to avoid this compound. I think in the end, Kevin Magnussen actually came in and changed his tyres because it just was not working for him. So, like I mentioned, Ferrari with Charles Leclerc decided to do medium, medium, hard. Now, in F1, you must change your tyre compound at least once during the race, meaning after the first two pit stops, because it was both medium, they would have had to come in again, which is fine. That's just how the rules are. But what I don't get is medium tyres are in between soft and hard, so should typically last longer than the softs, but not quite as long as the hard so going for two mediums would get you through quite a decent race you know length why didn't they wait a bit longer and put them on the softs you know it's he used the mediums for quite I just I can't quite get my head around it now the only thing that I can possibly think of is Ferrari has said previously at other races that they do struggle a little bit more with tyre issues than other teams but I, I just think overall the strategy was not the best. I mean if you were watching some of the race um, like post-race interviews I believe Christian Horner basically said initially they was going to start um, on a hard compound but th- their drivers were basically like this is not this is not gonna work um so they listened to the drivers and decided we're not gonna use the hards and by making that decision that really helped them win the race and I think that you know Ferrari kind of had very obvious examples of the hard tyre not performing the way that it needed to perform so I'm just so so surprised at it um but following on from that I do kind of think that McLaren also needs to be a little bit careful with their strategy because again it was a bit of a strange choice um both McLarens went soft medium hard and if we go on the Pirelli suggested strategy that if you start on stop on softs you do two pit stops both times mediums because by that point you've already changed your tyre compound so there's no problem of doing two tyre changes on the same compound. Now I think for Norris this wasn't too bad of a strategy purely because he had a decent advantage on Ocon and Alonso after his pit stop for hard tyres and they were already on the hard tyres as they went for a one-stop strategy and like with anything. Towards the end of a tyre's lifespan, essentially, you have to have more tyre management because you've got to make sure you get over the line. However, they did pit Ricardo on the same strategy, which was strange because most cars around him were on the mediums or the softs, and those on the hard tyres around him were just not really pushing. So I think they need to be a little bit careful. McLaren with their strategy purely just because I think this race they seem to do the same strategy for both drivers and whilst I do agree that Lando has had totally better performances overall I do think that McLaren also need to give a little with Daniel Ricciardo because we know he can perform a mean When we saw that overtake on the Alpines. Like that was what we expect from Daniel Ricciardo. And yeah, he's not been performing. But I do think it was a very weird strategy for him. It was almost like one of those things you wanted to say. You do know. Even though you're the same team, you can have two different strategies. I just thought it was a little bit odd. But um, so yeah, I do think. Clara needs to be a little bit careful with some of their strategies, but I suppose we could also say that with the Alpines, because that's medium hard compound was not it was not working. And they I believe they pitted after Magnuson. I know it was the Hass. Um but to you for the Hass isn't you know it it I believe they're in sixth overall at the moment. So I'm just a little bit surprised that after seeing Max not really get that grip in the tyre, that Alpine also decided to go for one stop strategy. But at the same time, they did what they needed to do because uh, they are still ahead of McLaren in the standings, constructor standings. So suppose with Alpine, it wasn't the greatest strategy, but in the end, wasn't awful because Daniel Ricciardo didn't get any points, but Lando did. Do you see my point there? It's a bit long-winded, but there we go. Okay, so I've rambled on a bit about strategy. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. And I'm gonna go through my... We go through everybody, where they finished, how they did. And we were looking really strong um, at one stage. And we were looking like we were not gonna have a DNF this race at all, which is absolute craziness. It's not something we see very often at all um, in Formula One. I think there's only ever been about eight times where we've had every car finish. But, alas, that did not happen. So, starting from the top, we've talked about this man before. Max Verstappen first. Lewis Hamilton second. He also scored fastest lap so he received 19 points out of the typical 18 George Russell in third Carlos Sainz slightly better than his teammate Charles but was on a better strategy in my opinion so he came fourth Sergio Perez in fifth so again a really good race for Sergio after starting at the back or not at the back 11th but you know for a red bull that is you know a bit towards the back for them um so good race for Sergio Charles in sixth I mean he's still got points but uh, well strategy is not it's not good they need to fix that for Ferrari I also think with Charles he did make a mistake the other weekend so yeah, they really need to sort that out and it get into a stage where I don't think they're going to win the championship I know I'm sorry but i it's getting that way um decent result for Lando seventh which is roughly where we would expect him to be then everyone else was like a lap behind it, it was all quite far apart this this race in the end Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon in eighth and ninth which is good for them for the um, standings, but I do think they need to be careful with their battles because as they're battling, it did allow for overtakes to happen, um, like what we saw with Daniel Ricardo overtaking both Alpines in in one move. Like if they weren't battling as much, it probably would have been a little bit harder for him to overtake. Tenth, Seb. Take the last point, he's retiring so glad to see him in the points. Lance Stroll in 11th, just behind his teammate, we did see some contact between Lance Stroll and Daniel Ricciardo which did see Ricciardo have a five second time penalty which he served after the race. 12th we had Pierre Gasly, again not a bad race for him he seemed quite happy after it all um considering he did start in the pit lane so 12th for Pierre Gasly, Guan Yu Zhou in 13th um a relatively quiet race I feel like for him but I from the top of my head believe he did also he was on the hard tyres for a while so those hard tyres really weren't it Mick Schumacher in 14th, 15th for Daniel Ricciardo after serving his five second time penalty, Kevin Magnussen in the 16th, again those tyres won the hard tyres, not okay, he also did have a black and orange flag waved um, after he had contact um, earlier on in the race, I can't remember who he made contact with but he did have some contact and he did have the black and orange flag waved at him which essentially means that because there's damage, you have to come into the pit and get it fixed. So that's when they wave the black and orange flag. Alex Albon also had um, some damage to his car. He finished in 17th. He had a slight coming together with Vettel to, at the very beginning of the race, um, but just couldn't really get back from that um it looked like vessel didn't have any damage it was just Albon in that incident we have Nicholas Latifi in 18th and then 19th we have Yuki Sonoda. I believe did Yuki Sonoda also have some contact and a spin I believe he did I believe he did um just kind of, again, a bit of a race to forget for Yuki Tsunoda. Kind of shows because I kind of forgot what happened to Yuki Tsunoda. That race, not great, not great. And then, unfortunately, we were so, so close to a race where nobody DNF'd, but Valtteri Bottas had issues with his car towards the end of the race, which meant a virtual safety car, but also that we didn't get the 20 drivers finishing. Uh, we're so close yet so far for that now to finish off we are going to talk some f1 news i feel like i need to get some of those like noise like sound effects where then you discuss news and be like hello and welcome back to unqualifying sessions news with me amy tonight's headlines Alonso will be moving to Aston Martin for the 2023 season with a new multi-year deal. Was that good news reading voice? I feel like that was kind of a good news reader's voice. I'm just saying. This was announced after Sebastian Vettel's retirement. um, And it kind of kicked off a bit of a silly season. Um, I'm recording this on the 2nd of August which is also my birthday, happy birthday to me, Um, and today on F1 Twitter, which is obviously not the most reliable source, but some also like news outlets are talking about this whole thing with Oscar Piastri, apparently he had like a pre-agreement with McLaren, and apparently he may have like Broken his contract with Alpine, it was all going crazy. But just before I sat down to record this podcast, it turns out that Oscar Piastri will be entering F1. New supporter voice going back on. <clears throat> Oscar Piastri is set to join Alpine for the 2023 season, replacing two time world champion Fernando Alonso for his move to. Aston Martin, after all-time world champion Sebastian Vettel announced his retirement. Hello, this is uh, Amy from the Future. Uh, After recording this podcast, um, it turns out that um, Oscar Piastri won't be driving for Alpine. Um, At 7pm UK time, Oscar Piastri tweeted, I understand that without my agreement Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I am driving for them next year this is wrong and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023 I will not be driving for Alpine next year so um, I have just removed the next little bit I was talking about Oscar and turns out he's not driving for Alpine next year um we don't know where bets are on mclaren at the moment that's the rumor um so we just have to wait to see but yeah this is me from the future coming back to change my podcast right before i'm about to upload it i love that okay right bye anyway we still have a little bit left of silly season we don't really know what's going to happen with williams for example um we don't know what's going to happen with mick schumacher and hass um he's not signed his new contract yet and we don't know anything about Yuki Sonoda either. Um so we have four seats still kind of. Oh and Guan Yu Zhou, I don't believe they signed a new contract either because he only had a one year deal, but he's doing alright. So I don't know what's gonna happen. So we have five seats still available. Um I mean Plus, anything can happen. People can be brought out of contract. So, you know, nothing is ever 100% guaranteed. So, obviously, I will keep you up to date with these little F1 news segments at the end of the podcast um, as we find out more information. Uh, as there is no Formula 1 next couple of weeks, <laughs> so sad, um, we will go back to doing the long-awaited second part of my history of Formula 1 next week but until then I hope we have a good rest of the week and I will see you in the next one bye